And we are so excited to announce something brand new here at Bayshore Community Church. Available now on any of the app stores, either Apple or Android or even Amazon, is the exciting Bayshore Church app for your mobile device. Now this app is chock full of content for you to use to engage with Bayshore. There's a sermon archive where you can browse past messages from both campuses. There's ways for you to sign up for classes, for events, for small groups. There's events calendars so that you don't miss anything that's happening. There's even a Bible reading section where you can get daily updates on where we are reading in the Bible. Also, this app has a great new giving feature, a very sleek and efficient way to easily give anytime you like and also have reoccurring gifts. So be sure to check out our app. You can go to bayshorecc.org slash app. That's bayshorecc.org slash app. And find links to download the Bayshore Church app. Well, good morning again. We are um, picking up our series again on the book of Acts. And I want to welcome uh, those that are listening to our podcast. We have uh, many, many people that listen to our podcast um, Many, many places, so thank you for joining us. If you're listening to the podcast or if you're listening to Facebook Live, thank you so much for listening to us on Facebook Live. We're so thankful for you and for your part in today's service. And, of course, thank you for everybody that is here. Well, in this series uh, during the summer, I've been uh, talking about the book of Acts, the church, the church in the book of Acts. The reason that I'm doing this is because uh, when you go through just portions of Scripture, it makes you talk about things you avoid. And many times, most of the preaching in our modern churches is topical, and we go from subject to subject. And what I find is I listen to podcasts, listen to people, and uh, no big criticism. I'm grateful for all my colleagues. But we tend to cover the same themes over and over again. But when you kind of force yourself to look at Scripture, uh, you have to deal with things that are in front of you. So I want to I want to uh, kind of preface that's why I'm doing this. So today, we get to a really cool part of Scripture, uh, Acts chapter 3. Uh, this is the first miracle in the book of Acts. The first miracle in the book of Acts. And let me read it to you, and then I'll launch into what we want to say this morning about this text. Uh, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon... Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him and said to him, as did John, look at us. So the man gave his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And I want to read just a little bit more in, uh, in Acts, Acts 11. Let me just uh, look at Acts, Acts 3, verse 11. When the man held on to Peter and John and all the people 
And all the people were astonished and came running to them in the palace of Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power and godliness we have made this man walk? So this is the first miracle that happened in the book of Acts. And it happened through Peter and John. And uh, we have in the book of Acts, we have this. We have this, uh, this, 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 this continuation of Jesus' ministry uh, on the planet. Uh, what we have is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And then the book of Acts starts this way. The book of Acts starts this way. Uh, Luke said, I wrote about in my first book, which was Luke, all that Jesus began to do. So the book of Acts is what Jesus continues to do now through the church. Jesus is working through the church. He's continuing to work. When you begin to do something, if you begin to cook dinner, that means there's more to do. So the book of Acts is Jesus working through people. Jesus working through people. In the Gospels, he worked directly, Jesus ministering personally to people. In the book of Acts, and what continues even to our day, is the church is Jesus working through his people. So when we were in Guatemala, great examples of this. When you go to Guatemala, and uh, we're preaching and uh, teaching about Jesus, and then uh, we're, we're feeding people, we're caring for people, and uh, we have these wonderful things. I think if Jesus were on the earth today, which he is on the earth today working for the church, one of the things he would do, he would do what George Caban did. Here's a picture of George Caban uh, giving uh, a little boy some pair of shoes, and I think that Jesus would do that. George is 78 years old, 78 years old, and uh, had more energy than all of us on the trip. And George is giving this little boy shoes, and he was just wonderful. I think if Jesus were on the earth today, he would be helping people with their practical needs. Uh, if Jesus were on the earth today, he would be feeding people, which he did throughout the Gospels. We have this amazing picture of Jesus constantly feeding people. He fed the 4,000, and then he fed the 5,000 recorded in every Gospel, Jesus feeding hungry people. Here's a picture of uh, uh, Dakota, this girl that went with us, this girl that I think is uh, uh, 10th grade, 9th or 10th grade, Dakota helping feed people. We fed children there in Guatemala. I think if Jesus were on the earth today, that's what he would be doing. I think Jesus would be encouraging people. How many here have ever needed some encouragement? Ever needed some encouragement? Uh, one of the things that happened on our trip was uh, was Alice Brumley, who was a state policeman, uh, oversees the barracks in Bridgeville. Uh, Alice is amazing part of our church. I just love Alice and her family. Uh, and uh, here's a picture of Alice giving uh, these Guatemala women hugs. Alice had a hugging ministry on the trip. She would go up to these women who spoke a different language and just hug them and encourage them. I think Jesus would do that. Jesus is working through the church. Everything that happened in the Gospels, Luke record, Jesus began to do, and he says in the book of Acts, uh, I wrote in my first treatise everything that Jesus began to do. And Jesus is continuing to work on this planet through you and I. He's continuing to do that. So we have this, this first miracle that happened in the book of Acts. Now, here's something you want to learn about 
uh, we all want to learn about uh, the book of Acts is miracles in the book of Acts were always moments of sharing, were moments of sharing about Jesus. There was never a time in the book of Acts where a miracle was produced in isolation, and that was all there was to it. A miracle always was an intention getter, and people gathered around, and then Peter and John told them about Jesus. So miracles were not the end, but they were a means to an end. Of course, God cares about the physical needs of people. But in the book of Acts, if you look carefully at what the book of Acts says, the book of Acts simply shows that every time there was a miracle, there was a sermon after the miracle to tell those people about Jesus. God cared. The biggest need, by the way, the biggest need that human beings have is not physical. The biggest needs that human beings have is spiritual. People need Jesus. People need Jesus in their heart. They need a relationship with the God who created them. You can heal their body, and if their heart is still empty, you have not finished your mission. So if you look at the book of Acts, in fact, in this miracle, Jesus heals this gentleman uh, that was lame from birth. He was over 40 years old. It says in chapter 4, healed him. He was lame from birth. And after he was healed, the man went jumping and leaping and praising God. He was excited because God touched him because something amazing happened. And then it says a crowd ran as this man held on to as this man held on to the Peter and John, as he held on to them, a crowd gathered around, and then Peter says, brothers, this is what has happened, and here's why it's happened. And then he, re- he preached Jesus to them, and he said, repent, and times of refreshing will come from the Lord. So this is important for us to know. This is a principle that's very important for us to know, is the miracles in the book of Acts open the door for Jesus to be shared. Why is that important for us to know? One of the reasons it's important for us to know is we're feeding the poor and taking care of the poor. We feed hundreds of people here at Bayshore uh, through our feeding program here. Uh, we just expanded our hours that we're going to be open on Wednesday night where people come and they receive food and we help them. People that are struggling financially, we help them with groceries so they can be, uh, pay for their mortgage and we encourage them. What's important for us to remember about that is that is a means to an end. It's not the end in of itself. Why that's important is humanitarianism is really popular in the world today. Everybody wants to be uh, humanitarian and help people and help the poor. But the mission of the church is bigger than that. We don't simply give a hungry person a sandwich. Our mission is not done. Our mission is not only to give them a sandwich, but to tell them about Jesus. And in the book of Acts, we see miracles open the door for sermons to take place. What happens in churches, what happens in denominational churches, uh, you know, big, big churches, what happens in America, and what is really we have to guard out for right now is that humanitarianism is not the end. Helping the poor is not the end. It's the means to an end. We help the poor, we gain credibility, and we tell them about Jesus. Every service that I uh, preached at in, in Guatemala, I preached the gospel, and then we gave shoes out, and then we ministered to people and all that, and it was all tied together. Do you know that every time Jesus fed people in the gospels, every time he fed people, it was on the backside of him teaching them first. So say this. Uh, helping the poor 
and telling them about Jesus goes together. So what happened here a while back, I mean, we had uh, some wonderful people in our church that uh, wrote uh, some letters about us getting grants to us for us to uh, uh, get funds to help us with our feeding program, to help our community and all that. And we were just like all excited about that. But we got one response that was interesting, one response. The federal government offered us $50,000 from the Food, Drug, uh, Food and Drug Administration, $50,000 to help our feeding program. And so we got, uh, the folks came to me about that and said, Pastor Danny brought me the letter. Uh, The federal government wants to give us $50,000. And I said, the last thing we want to do is ever take any money from the government. I thank God for our government. I'm not going to take $1 from the government. If we take $1 from the government, the government will probably say, you can give them sandwiches, but you can't tell them about Jesus. And we're here not only to give away sandwiches, but we're here to tell people about Jesus as well. Can you say a big amen? Say, Pastor Danny, did you think about taking that $50,000? Absolutely thought about taking that money. But that money, I know, would have strings attached because our mission is not simply humanitarian. It's not simply to help. Everybody's doing that. Coca-Cola's doing that. IBM's doing that. Everybody's doing that. It's a good thing that we're helping the poor, but our mission is a higher mission. We want to meet the greatest need of people and the greatest need that people find Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. So every miracle in the book of Acts opened the door for a sermon. You follow it time and time again. Uh, people get healed. Peter or Paul stands up and they tell them about Jesus and people get saved. Uh, somebody gets healed of blindness and they stand up and tell them about Jesus. Miracles were the open door to tell people about Jesus. The other thing about this text is that the miracle happened on the way to the temple. Uh, on the, they were on their way to the temple for the time of prayer. little interesting thing. I've been to uh, where the temple was, and some of you maybe have been there as well if you've been to the Holy Land. I've been to where the temple is. Of course, Herod's temple is no longer there, and you know, there's the, the Wailing Wall, which is part of Herod's temple uh, that was there when Jesus was there. But the steps, the steps that go into what was the temple are the original steps. And the steps that Jesus walked on and the steps that the apostles walked on are still there. Here's a picture of the steps going up in the temple. This is the group. This is where the temple was. And these steps are the original steps that Jesus and the apostles stepped up on. And the person that was giving the tour guide of this part of of our trip said, he said that Neil Armstrong went to Israel and went to those steps. Neil Armstrong, who was the first man who ever stepped on the moon, and he said, one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. Wow. I wonder if he had that on a cue card. That's amazing. But Neil Armstrong supposedly said, according to our tour guide, I've stepped on the moon, but stepping on these steps is more significant for me. Because these were the very steps that Jesus and the apostles walked on. And so they were walking up to the temple. They were going to the temple. And it was at the time of prayer. They were going to the temple at the time of prayer. And there was 
three times during the day that they prayed, uh, uh, or maybe even more. Uh, there was uh, 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., and so the early church, uh, they constantly gathered at the temple to pray, and they were seeking the face of God, and they were praying, and they were, they were diligent about seeking the Lord. And this miracle happened while they were on their way to pray. This miracle occurred when they were en route to seek the face of God. Peter and John, who walked with Jesus, where were they headed when this miracle happened? They were headed to a place of prayer. They were going to seek the face of God Observation, not a criticism. Observation is, is the early church had a great focus on prayer. When you read the book of Acts, you'll see that they're constantly seeking the Lord. In chapter 4, it says, after Peter and John did this miracle, they were thrown in jail, and we'll maybe touch on that next week. Peter and John were thrown in jail because of that, and after they got put out of jail, they prayed for the Lord to give them boldness, and they prayed powerfully, and the place where they prayed was shaken. So the early church was constantly praying, constantly seeking the Lord, constantly going after Jesus and praying. My observation, and again, this is not a criticism, this is an observation. The early church was governed and mobilized and motivated by prayer. The modern church, my church, our church, the church in America, we're motivated by entertainment, Christian entertainment, Christian concerts. Pastor Danny, do you love Christian concerts? I love Christian concerts. Did you hear that? I love Christian concerts. Uh, David Crowder Band last year at the fair, man, I was like, I was having the best time. But we have Christian concerts. We have Christian comedians. Now, I really like Christian comedians. I just think they're hilarious. Uh, uh, Michael Jr. from Dallas, Texas, one of my favorite Christian comedians. Uh, he's going to do a movie that we may go to uh, in the fall and October. Love Christian comedians. Uh, Christian movies. How many have ever seen a Christian movie? Christian, how many have seen Christian movies? And they're getting better. Aren't they getting better? The first ones were so bad. You're like, you leave the theater like, oh my gosh, this is so bad, but they're getting better. Christian concerts, Christian comedians, Christian movies. I love Christian concerts. I love, love Christian comedians. I love Christian movies. But I think when I look at the book of Acts, I think we are skewed toward entertainment and skewed away from prayer. The early church, they didn't have any Christian movies. They didn't have any Christian concerts. They didn't have anything to entertain them. But what they had was they had a hunger and a thirst for God, and they sought the Lord, and they prayed, and they were on their way to a prayer meeting when this miracle took place. My prayer is that your pastor will get a new passion and love for prayer. My prayer is that we will get a new passion and love for prayer in our church. 
Because we, in the modern church, not Bayshore, America's church, we don't pray anymore. We don't pray. We're entertained. We're different than the church, the early church. The early church, they were like seeking God. They were praying. They were seeking the Lord. And it's like when, when uh, I go on vacation with my family, you know, uh, we always go in September, like the third week in September to the Outer Banks. And my, my daughter-in-law, Stacy, uh, Joel's wife, I mean, her and I, we just have this fun, competitive thing. We're competitive about everything, about Monopoly. We're competitive about bike riding, about running, about Fitbit. We compete in everything we do. And so when we go in on our vacation... We'll get in the pool, and Stacy will challenge me to a breath-holding contest under the pool. How many have ever done that? Sit on the bottom of the pool, let your air out, and sit there and see how. And I'm looking at her. I'm turning blue, and she's not giving up, and I'm not giving up either. They may, I may float as a dead man on top of that pool, but I'm going to win that contest. But finally, when it's over with, and she goes up to the surface, and I'm going up to the top, and I'm going for that air and I come through the top of that pool and I suck that air in. Man, it's so good. Desperate for a breath of air. The early church was desperate for God. They wanted God. They wanted more of Him. They loved Him. They sought Him with all of their heart. They were like a man sitting at the bottom of a pool swimming up going for air. That's what Psalm says. Psalm says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you. I remember. I remember it. Here we are, 2018. I remember. I've lived long enough to know. I remember seasons when the church prayed and sought the face of God. I remember when uh, 1979, 1980, 1981, Karen and I were living in Pensacola, Florida, and we were going to Bible college, and all of our friends were poor, and they were there studying the Bible, and we were going to become missionaries or pastors, and, uh, you know, we were, we were there seeking the Lord. And our church, our church, Liberty Church, Pensacola, Florida, about 1,500, 2,000 members, they had, they had all-night prayer meetings on Friday night. All-night prayer meetings on Friday night. So, you know, you, they didn't expect you to stay all night. You just come and pray for a couple hours. So we would... Uh, we would fast. That means, you know, we didn't eat anything on Friday. And then Karen and I, after work, we would go. We'd go to the church there. And they had this beige carpet. And there would be maybe 125 people there at 6.30, 7 o'clock. And we would, I would lay on the carpet. And I would cry out to God. And I would pray. And Karen would pray. And there was this guy named Buddy Anderson. He always laid up front by the altar. And he would just be praying. And you could hear Buddy praying throughout the whole church. Seeking God. We'd pray an hour, hour and a half. Then we'd come home. Hadn't eaten all day. We prayed. And man, we would fix some food. And we would pig out. I'm here to tell you, I've been to Christian concerts. I've been, to, I've been to Christian comedians. I've listened to great Christian comedians. I've been to great Christian movies. But what I felt, what I experienced, and what Karen and I experienced, praying in the church on Friday night, 
before the Lord was greater than entertainment. So I'm just telling you as a prophet, I'm just telling you as like what I'm seeing. I listen to podcasts, and I watch TV, and I watch all these churches, and I love my colleagues, and I'm who am I to say anything about my dear friends? But I'm here to tell you in our modern church, we're not like this church. What would happen this fall if we had some people in our church, we had these great small groups. What if we had some small groups that somebody said, you know what, I'm just going to have a, we're going to have a small group and we're just going to get together and we're going to pray for an hour. We're going to pray for the church. We're going to pray for that building program. We're going to pray for God to anoint Pastor Danny and anoint the praise team. We're going to pray that people will get saved. We're going to pray that people will get baptized and we're just going to pray. Wow, wouldn't that be amazing? Early church, this cool thing in chapter 12 of Acts, this theme goes throughout the church, throughout the book of Acts. goes throughout the book of Acts. Chapter 12, Peter's in jail. He's always in jail. Peter's always in jail for preaching the gospel. That's another theme we're going to talk about. Peter's always in jail. And he's in jail. And, he's, he, he, and they've already killed James, uh, one of the... Uh, uh, disciples, and Peter is in jail waiting to go to trial the next morning, and the church is gathered at John Mark's house. We know that John Mark, we know a little bit about him from church history, that he had a house his parents lived in Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem there was this house where people gathered to pray, and they prayed and prayed, and Peter was delivered from prison, and when, it's, when he got there, when he got to John Mark's house, it says in Acts 12, 12, you can look it up. It says when he got there, the place, the house was filled with people praying. The house was filled with people praying. I sent this little messenger uh, note to one of my friends, my Baba College friends. In, uh, yeah, he think he, I think he lives in Tennessee now. And I sent him a note. I said, hey, Ron, got him Ron Stagg. I said, Ron, you told me when we were in Baba College about being in Seoul, Korea, when you were in the service, going to the full gospel church there, which was the biggest church in the world at that time, like 100,000 people. And he told me about going to an all-night prayer meeting in South Korea, in Seoul, Korea. And he's in this prayer meeting. They lock the doors. You go in at 10 o'clock. They lock the doors. And they don't let anybody out until 7 o'clock in the morning. And Ron said, he was praying. He was in the service, a young guy. He was praying, and he started falling asleep. And this Korean, blasphemy, 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 wake up. Ron woke up for sure. He said about an hour later or so, that Korean fell asleep, and he woke him up, you know. Say this with me. A great church is a church that focuses on prayer. How are we doing on that? I'm just here to tell you, we're doing, we're doing good on loving each other. We're doing good on serving the poor. We're doing good on, I think, teaching the Bible. We're doing good on working on our small groups. But I think on prayer, and this is my fault as your leader, I don't think we're doing well. We're not doing like this. This is not the end of the sermon, but raise your hands right now and say to the Lord, Lord, I just, I just thank you for loving me and caring for me, and I pray, just say this to me, I pray, Lord, that you'll turn my heart toward prayer.
and we'll seek you like we've never sought you before. So this fall, just pray, and as we go through all this, the Holy Spirit really helps us with this. Lots of other things I could say about this. Interesting little thing about the story is uh, the Bible says that this lame man was laid at the temple every day, every day. And I think Peter and John went to the temple every day. So my, my observation is about this story, is it possible that Peter and John saw this man before? I think it's highly likely that they saw this man before. They walked by him. Have you ever known, to just, have you ever just, you walk by people and never really see them? I, I just think this happens. Sometimes you walk by people and just never see them. And I think, he, I think this guy had been there. I think they would saw him probably a dozen times, and they saw him, and, and they just walked by him. And, you know, nothing, nothing to criticize about. They just, that was just it. But this day, the Holy Spirit put a light on this man. And this is how God works. Sometimes, you know, you're just going through your day, and the Holy Spirit just puts a light on somebody. And he says, Peter, in the story, says, look at us. He saw them, and then he said to the man, look at us. He saw the man. So it's like the first time he ever saw him. The Holy Spirit sometimes will help you to see people that you're supposed to minister to. He'll help you see people. And he'll just tap you on the shoulder, and he'll have you minister to them. Just walking, the early church just walked in this sense where the Holy Spirit was leading them and guiding them. And on this day, they'd been by this guy a hundred times. They'd seen this guy, nothing registered. But this day, the light was on him. And they were going to minister to him. So just listening to the Holy Spirit. This week, I, um, my uh, son Tim, he has a birthday tomorrow. He's going to be 37. And so Karen and I took him out to lunch and he wanted to ascertain some money from us to get some new tennis shoes, so we went and had lunch with him. And, um, and here's a picture of my son, Tim. So proud of him. He's a great builder. Just, uh, you hear a lot about my other son, Joel. Joel Tim's just a really great kid, just amazing. 37 years old. He's very prosperous, very successful, doing really good. And so we had a great time at lunch, and uh, I had to leave. I had to go to a meeting, and I'm, I'm walking out. I'm walking out of the, of the restaurant. And Tim is coming behind me. Karen's, you know, still doing something, and, and I had to run out. And so I'm, way, all, I'm, I'm out the door of the restaurant, and the Lord tapped me on the shoulder. He said, go back and hug your son and tell him how proud you are of him. So it was one of those awkward moments. I'm already out, and the moment is over. I've already said goodbye. And it was the strong impression. He's very successful, doing very, very well. But you know what? It doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You still need somebody to give you a hug and tell you they're proud of you. How many know that's true? doesn't matter if you're the president of the United States, not a political statement there. Anyhow, we are, we, everybody needs that. So I went in. And big fish, and I just put my arm around my 37-year-old son. I said, son, you'll never know how proud I am of you. I'm proud of Joel. Joel's preaching, doing what I'm doing. 
but I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You know what he told me when he was a little boy? <laughs> when he was like nine, I said, I said, Tim, are you going to be a preacher when you grow up? He said, no, Dad, I'm going to be a working man. <laughs> I said, go to your room right now. That is... But you know what I think? I think Peter and John had walked by that guy a hundred times. Walked by him, walked by him, walked by him. But that day, the shoulder tap, the spotlight, minister. Listen to this. You're not called to minister to everybody every day. You can't. You'll get overwhelmed if you think you've got to save everybody, change everybody. You're called to minister to people who God puts a spotlight on in your path. Last thing I want to say about the story is the man, this is my favorite part of the story, the man went there to beg, and he had a little, maybe a little can, and he went there to beg, and he was hoping to get a few dollars, hoping to get a few dollars that day, and he was carried there by faithful family members or faithfully friends, and he had his little, had a little pot hoping to get a few dollars hoping to help buy some food hoping to maybe help pay the mortgage and he went there and he expected it says in verse 5 of acts 3 he looked at peter and john expecting to receive something from them he was expecting a little bit of money but he got much much more Is it possible that we expect too little? Is it possible that we expect too little in life? Just just enough to get by, just a little bit of money. Just, you know, maybe you're, you know, you want to get married and you're like in your 40s and so you're ready, you're, you know, your mom's telling you, honey, you need to get married. And so you found a guy. He's a warm, breathing body, and he lives with his mother and doesn't have a car. And you're going to settle for that. But just maybe God has much, much more for you. Maybe you got saved, got baptized, Come to church, listen to the teaching and all that, and you're going to church, hanging out, waiting to go to heaven. But just maybe, just maybe, just maybe for the church, maybe God has much, much more for us. Maybe instead of just coming to church every Sunday, maybe God, and we should do that, but maybe God just wants us to live, He has a life of adventure where the Lord works through us and we live like the book of Acts, and God maybe has much, much more for us. Maybe you got this one Got this job, getting through it, helping you pay the bills, and you just make and hate your job. But just maybe, God has something much, much more for you. Sometimes God looks at our little pitiful cup full of money expecting to get a little bit. He wants to kick that cup out of our hand and he wants to heal us so we can go walking, running, leaping, and praising God. Maybe God has more 
for you. Maybe you are like me. I'm an older guy now. I'm 60 years old. I know you think, God, he, golly day, he doesn't look a, more than 31 years old. I know it. I know you're thinking that. Some of my colleagues, they're just waiting to die. Just maybe God has a lot more for you to do. Just maybe like George Caban, 78 years old, he's going to get an airplane, he's going to sleep in a strange bed, and he's going to feed hungry people, and he's going to see God do something great. Just maybe God has something more for you. Maybe God wants to kick the tin can out of your hand and do something more for you. Don't settle for less when God has much, much more. Say it with me. Don't settle for less when God has much, much more. Bow your heads and let's just have, let the Lord minister to us as we prepare to leave today. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, every Sunday you can meet Jesus here if you don't know Jesus, if you're here and my final prayer, just to pray for anybody who wants to come in the kingdom of God, just lift your hand up right now and say, Pastor Danny, I want to come into the kingdom. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this. Lift your hands to the Lord Jesus. Jesus, we thank you, God, for much, much more. We thank you for this season of our life. It's not sitting in the dugout, but it's getting out on the field. It's about the great adventure of following you. I thank you for this church. What a great church we have. We pray that you'll fill us with prayer. You'll fill us with love for you. And you'll fill us with passion. We pray that you'll just pour out your spirit on us like never before. We love you. We honor you. And we thank you for a great, great weekend. And as we leave here today, our thoughts about you aren't done. We're going to be thinking about you this afternoon. We're going to be praying, sitting on the porch. We're going to spend time with you because you're a great God and you have a great plan for our life. So we pray your blessing on us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen.